Thank you, choir. Have you ever taken a picture? Have you ever taken a picture and then either your digital or more, more to the point, have you ever taken a picture back when we used to have film and you thought it was a good picture and it came out like this? Now, we're just going to hold that for a second, okay? I mean, have you ever been that frustrated? I mean, you thought this was a good picture and it came back kind of fuzzy. You know, your frustration level is controlled by a couple of things. Number one is actually how personal this is for you. I mean, these are trees, for crying out loud. These are woods. You can go back and retake that picture in some form or semblance. So, you know, houses, cars, well, for some of you, cars might be different, but, but houses and things like that, things that don't matter, frustration level is bad, but it's not really, but now it was your grandbaby or your boyfriend, or your girlfriend, or your best friend, or your wife, or your kids, now the frustration level really increases because of how personal it is. Another thing that will make you frustrated is that if it costs a lot. I mean, can you imagine paying a $75 setting fee and going into a professional photographer, and when they call you back, the pictures are a little bit out of focus? Now, I want you to think about that. I notice all the smiles. I want you to think about that this morning, and I want you to remember this level of frustration from being out of focus. For the next four weeks, we're going to talk as a church about focus. We're going to talk about becoming the kingdom-focused church. The kingdom-focused church. Now, admittedly, we're going to use a great deal of our of our textbook. However, if you would like to read further some of the things that your pastor is reading, go ahead, guys. We're going to give you a couple of resources that you may write down. One of them is the Kingdom Focused Church. I can tell everybody's scrambling to write. And the other one is Kingdom Principles for Church Growth. Now, both of these were written by our friend who's been here two times, Dr. Gene Mims. Here's what I will tell you is that The kingdom focus is something that is very important that we be focused correctly. Now I'm going to ask the screen to go black for a second because I want your attention on me, not on the screen. Now some of us will ask, why in the world a kingdom-focused church? Why not a God-focused church? Why not a Jesus-focused church? Why not a soul-purposed church or maybe even a people-purposed church? Well, if you put it in perspective to the New Testament, you come to understand a couple of things. Let's go back to the life of John the Baptist. When John the Baptist received his instructions to introduce Jesus to the world, he preached, the kingdom is near. That was Matthew, like, chapter 3. Then when Jesus himself came along, he said the kingdom is near, and it says that he began to preach the kingdom. Because, you see, the kingdom is what? He was all about building. The church, Hueytown Baptist Church, is not the kingdom of God, but it is a part of the kingdom of God. It's my belief that every church has to be, if they're going to be a New Testament church, has to be a church that is kingdom-focused. 
because it is his church and not our church, we don't get to say what's the focus. Now, some of you are saying, Brother Jerry, isn't every church a kingdom-focused church? And here's what I want to say to you. Whether we're a kingdom-focused church or not, it's not about what we say. I mean, we, like other churches, we have mission statements, mottos, purpose statements. We have all these things that say that we're kingdom-focused. But here's what I will say to you, is that it is not our words that say whether we're kingdom-focused or not. It is our actions. It is our schedule. It is our budget. It is our consistency. It is our drive. It is our... Vision. Oh, we can say we're kingdom focused if you would like. But are we? If an outside person were to come to Hueytown Baptist Church this morning and to rate us according to this word that God has called us, uh, God has given us to give, be our marching orders, would he say that we as a congregation were kingdom focused? And the only way he will say that we're kingdom focused as a congregation is to say that you're focused as a member of this congregation. So the question before us is, are we kingdom focused? Well, what did, let me say one other thing. For the last two years, I have done my best as your pastor to lead us in the direction of kingdom focus. Now, it might have been subtly. I don't, make a lot, I don't try to tell you where we're headed. I want you to kind of come along on the journey. But I will remind you that last year, we began with 25% of the year, 13 weeks, to be or not to be. We studied our statements, our motto, our core beliefs, our functions. We came back in January and we studied First John, which tells us some of the very fundamental principles of being a people on a mission for the Lord. We came back this summer and spent five weeks on our purpose statement, changing lives for time and eternity. We followed that with four weeks of just walk across the room, encouraging each of us just to walk across the room and make a new friend, maybe lead them to the kingdom. Today we began this kingdom-focused church, and after four weeks we began 30 days of praise, an emphasis that teaches us how to really come into the presence of the Father. And I feel like with every series of messages, I'm trying to peel back a little, little bit of the skin and, and the callus that we can see, finally discover and see what it means to be kingdom-focused. I remind you that the church was not a man-made idea, but it was an idea of God. Matthew 16 is one of our texts. Matthew 16 is one of our texts. They were in the hills of Caesarea Philippi, and Jesus said, Who do you think that I am? Who do people say that I am? What do you say? And this was his summation statement. You can look on the screen. He says, And I say to you that you're Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not prevail against it or will not overpower it. And I'm giving you the keys, talking about the church, the keys to the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth has already been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth has already been loosed in heaven. Now, what does that mean? Back it up, if you will, Brandon. Sorry about that. What does that mean? Well, it means 
that Jesus is building. That is that construction term, building. He is present perfect, building his church to where nothing can stand against it. Now, does that really sound like the church of the 21st century with so many things tearing us down? He says, I am building it in a way that even hell itself cannot defeat it, and I'm going to give you guys, the church, a ring of keys. And that ring of keys holds the secret to lock and unlock in heaven and earth all that you can imagine. This is the church that I'm building. Now, you piggyback that with the scripture that you'll see next up there, which we call the Great Commission. Matthew 28, it says, Jesus came near and he said to them, All authority is given to me in heaven and earth. So go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, if I'm honest with you, just you and me, I know how easy it is to get out of focus. I know how easy it is to let something else take the top place in my life. I also know how easy it is for us as a church to get out of focus off-centered. I pray that that you will speak to us in that deep place that we need to be spoken to. And I pray that you will renew our focus, that you will sharpen our focus, that we can be focused on you. In your name. During the next four weeks, we're going to talk about exposing the kingdom-focused church, embracing the kingdom-focused church, empowering the kingdom-focused church, and finally experiencing the kingdom-focused church. And some of us, again, say, kingdom-focused? What in the world is the kingdom? Isn't that something that goes on after the rapture? Isn't that something that goes on in the sweet by and by? Isn't the kingdom of God something that happens down uh, in the future somewhere? We don't hear much talk about the kingdom, although that's exactly what Jesus came to preach and lead us into. So we need to get us a definition that we know what the kingdom of God is. Look on the screen. The kingdom of God is the reign of God in the lives of his people, enabling them to serve him wholeheartedly and to live the kind of life Jesus died to give. You can write that down on the back of your bulletin. The reign of God, the kingdom of God is the reign of God in the lives of His people that enables them to serve Him wholeheartedly and live the kind of life that Jesus died to give. You know what that means? That means when we receive Christ as our personal Savior, the kingdom of God is birthed in our lives. That's what Jesus came to give us. It's not something in some far-off galaxy in a faraway land. The kingdom of God has come to rule and reign in our lives. In fact, Gene Mim says in the the, uh, the, uh, uh, kingdom-focused church that it is basically Jesus Christ being Lord and King of our lives. I wonder if Jesus is Lord and King of our lives, 
What kind of difference does it make in our life? You take a new job. All of a sudden, you got a new boss. What kind of difference does that make in your life? All of a sudden, that new boss can tell you what kind of work you do. He can tell you when to work, tell you where to work, tell you how to work. You see, when Jesus becomes Lord of our lives, all of a sudden, our lives are not our own. We've been bought with a price. We've his. And when he becomes king and Lord of our lives... Life is different. When the church gets focused on doing this, on helping people have the reign of God in their lives, living the life that Jesus died to give them, now we've become kingdom focused. But how do we know this? I'm going to expose it to you. How do we know whether we're a kingdom focused church or not? Well, I'm going to suggest to you three ways. Three ways that we expose the kingdom focused church. First of all, The kingdom-focused church has one priority. The kingdom-focused church, like the kingdom-focused believer, has one priority. I can say with somewhat assurance that when Jesus left this earth, when Jesus left this earth, he had not, in his last words, we read some of them, he did not have a bad day. He was not, it was not that he was not thinking clearly. It was not that he had not thought through what he wanted to leave us. He was very clear of what he wanted to leave us with, those last words. He said, all authority is given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore make disciples of all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son. And because I am building my church where the gates of hell will not prevail against it, I will be with you always through the whole process. You see, the one priority of the church is the Great Commission, is reaching people. In his book that I put on the screen that you wrote down so rapidly, Gene Mims in 1994 espoused a 154 principle for churches. I think it's 164. He and I have had some wonderful discussions about that. It makes no difference. The one stands for the one driving force of the church. And the one driving force of the church has to be the Great Commission. It has to be about reaching people. It has to be including people, embracing people, calling people to faith, calling people to repentance, calling people to forgiveness. Everything that we do is about calling people. That's why we're here. And there is something we need to understand. There is nothing that we can do as a body that will overcome not having a Great Commission center. We can't have enough parties to overcome not reaching people. We can't have great enough music to overcome not reaching people. We can't have senior adult events good enough to overcome not reaching people. We cannot have preaching good enough to overcome not reaching people because if we're going to be kingdom focused, the primary, the priority thought in everyone's mind is to reach people with the gospel of Christ. In fact, 
Let me say it to you this way. The truth is, this is what we need to do. Through the Great Commandment, we need a great commitment to the Great Commission. Most of us know what the Great Commandment is. One day Jesus was sitting around. They were trying to trap him. And so the Pharisees said, um, Okay, Master. I'm going to give you the Watts version. This is, you won't find this in the Bible, George. Okay, Master, you're so smart. Tell us what the greatest of all the commandments happens to be. And he quoted Deuteronomy. <laughs> interesting how consistent the Bible is. He said, love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind, all your strength. And when they thought he was through, he said, wait a second, and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, let's just investigate that just for a second. If we really love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, the pastor will not have to stand on Sunday morning and call us to one priority. If we love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, then all of a sudden what he wants controls what we want. All of a sudden what he wants takes precedent over our convenience. We need to get a handle on this great commandment that we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And by the way, if we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, he'll permeate us so much that we will love our neighbors as ourselves. Through the great commandment, we need a great commitment. Now, this is not just participation. This is commitment. Are you committed to loving God? Are you committed to loving your neighbor? Are you committed to loving your enemy? Whoa, Brother Jerry. Whoa, Brother Jerry. I'm not going to love my enemies. It's been a rough weekend in Alabama, hasn't it? Not really? Well, I want to tell you what, you Alabama fans, you got away with your hide last night. I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't brag about that Alabama game last night. You got away, exactly. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Here's what I'm going to tell you is that it is, it's wonderful in this congregation that in Alabama that we can tease each other about football. You know why? Because I can take you to a church. Where the pastor told me, he said, I have to find other things to tease my people about because they are more committed to their football team than they are to the Father. You see, we need a great commitment to the great commandment and to the great commission. Let me just sum this up this way because time's getting away from me. Do you know what it means to have one priority in a church? It means that every time you gather, you have in your mind, how can I reach somebody with this? You have a golf tournament. How can we reach somebody with this? You have a fall festival. How can we reach somebody with this? We have VBS. How can we reach somebody with this? We have a Sunday school party. And I want to call our Sunday school classes. Kenny and I are doing our best to try to put us together in a way that we 
get the vision for growth again. I'm going to call our Sunday school classes. Listen, folks, it's not about those who are there. It is those who need to be there. We've got to step outside our circle. This isn't a hotel for saints. This is a hospital for sinners. For those who are yet to know, if we're going to have one, if we're really going to be a kingdom-focused church, our priority is going to be everything we do. We have an eye for those that we need to reach. Kingdom-focused church has one priority. The kingdom-focused church, number two, has but one philosophy. I'm going to go back to days when I was a staff person. I always thought it was funny, but not funny. Ha ha. Really, it was tragic, Steve. It was always tragic to me as a staff person, maybe more so as a pastor, but as a staff person, how many philosophies go on in a church? Uh, I mean, church would call a pastor. New Testament setup of the church is the members minister, the deacons serve, the pastors lead. So they call a pastor to lead, and the pastor comes in with his philosophy. And then the staff has their philosophy. And then the demons, I mean the deacons have their philosophy. Or that deacon has his philosophy. Then the WMU have their philosophy. The teenagers have their philosophies. Uh, the discipleship leaders have their philosophies. Is it any wonder that the church, the churches in America today, depending on who you read, between 70 to 90% are not reaching people? Is it any wonder that buildings sit empty? Communities sit with no Christian influence. And here's what I'll tell you. Truth is, if a church is going to be a kingdom-focused church, it's neither the pastor, the deacon, or the staff, or the WMU, or the women's ministry, or the men's ministry, or the teenagers, or anybody else. It is a biblical philosophy set up in God's Word. This is the fourth pastor that I've fourth church that I have served as a pastor. One of the commonalities of coming to a new church is that every time I go in and preach in, in view of a call, I try to, in that opening message, lay out my philosophy from a biblical perspective. If you, can t- you want to turn there, you can. It's going to be on the screen. First Corinthians chapter nine, verses twenty and following, and it says this. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, to win those under the law. To those outside the law, like one outside the law, not being outside God's law, but under the law of Christ, to win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak in order to win the weak. Here's his summation statement. I've underlined it. I have become all things to all people so that, by, that I might, may by all means save some. Now I do this because of the gospel, that I may become a partner in its benefit. You know what that tells us today? That tells us the original 
whatever it takes, philosophy. He says, I have become all things to all people that I might by all means save some because I want to be a partner with what the gospel's doing. You see, folks, the gospel is changing lives. And that's what we're called to do is change lives. Our philosophy is a, has to be we adjust, we adapt, we do whatever we can. We don't compromise the message, but we adjust, we adapt, we change so that we can reach people because our number one priority is to reach people with the gospel and our philosophy is to do whatever it takes. That's kingdom focus. But now the Bible gives us a little more help, and we're not going to spend a lot of time on this because we have really spent a great deal of time over the past couple of years. Acts 2.42 tells us how to do it. And I'm going to read it. It's up there. If you want to turn in your Bible, mark it, you can. But it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayers. Then fear came over everyone, and many signs and wonders were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and had everything in common. So they sold their possessions and properties and distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had need. And every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. I told you about that one six four principle, the one driving force, our priority. Now knowing our philosophy is to do whatever it takes, how do we do it? And we balance them this way. If you notice on the screen, it's going to become an upside-down pyramid. You've seen this before. We begin with prayer. Now, brothers and sisters, if we're going to become a kingdom-focused church, we have to pray. We're doing our best. Brother Bill Barnum has taken over our prayer leg of our, of our church First of all, I'll just tell you, every Sunday morning at 8.30, 8.55, this is a place of prayer. This is a sanctuary of prayer. We try to have the lighting subdued so you can just come in and pray. Do you know what? Are we a people of prayer? Well, you tell me. Last week we had three people to come in. The week before last we had four people to come in. This morning there may have been three again. Are we a people of prayer when we are called to the altar to pray? It keeps getting smaller and smaller. Is the prayer going on in your private life? Are you so caught up on your prayer that we don't have to pray collectively? If we're going to do anything, it's going to be because we connect with God in prayer first and foremost. Second thing that you'll see up here is evangelism, that number one priority. You find it all in Acts 2, 42 through 47, 41 through 47. Prayer, evangelism. Number three is worship. That we meet God. We have to reach up before we can reach in and out. And then we move to discipleship. I dare say that there are people in this room today who have been believers 20, 30, 40 years and have never been personally discipled. So a lot of what the preacher says, a lot of what happens when we talk about PTL or when we talk about life enrichment group goes over our heads because we've never been discipled. We've been told or we've been fed or we've been... uh, uh, led to believe that all we had to do was trust Christ and nothing else happens. And the truth is, is that it's a journey that we begin on to study and learn and be discipled. Fifth is the ministry. 
talking to someone right now about leading the ministry leg. We have to get involved in ministry if we're going to be kingdom-focused church. And finally is fellowship. Fellowship. Now, Brother Jerry, you just rung our bell. We good fellowshippers. You need to understand, first of all, fellowship isn't just about food. Fellowship is the commonality of belief. But I would admit, fellowship among our membership is our strongest suit right now. But you need to hear me. I told Dale, I said, Dale, you're going to work your way in another message today. He just smiled. He said, what did I do this time, Brother Jerry? He didn't do anything, but you know he's a builder. And he can confirm what I'm about to tell you. We consider these the six pillars of our church. Actually, we consider the foundation to be prayer, and then there are five pillars to hold up whatever we do. And here's what this man will tell you about construction that is true spiritually. If you give more attention to one pillar than the other, you're going to have an out-of-balance structure. You have to give it all. You have to balance them. You have to make sure that foundation is solid. We need to be spending time in prayer every day. This week, Gary and Amy and Agnes was in the office talking about just that, how we can get us to pray for our pastor, for our staff, for our church, for our vision, for lost people. We need to be about praying. And then we need to take those other five pillars and make them balanced in our life so they're balanced in the life of a church so that we can be kingdom-focused. Reaching people, one priority, whatever it takes, one philosophy. And finally, the kingdom-focused church. You want to know what it looks like? It has one priority, one philosophy. And finally, it has one plan. One plan. Not a bunch of plans. One plan. You know what that plan is? Look at the screen. You see, the kingdom-focused church is completely committed to discovering and doing God's will while totally depending on Him. Do you as an individual know what God's will is for your life? In that meeting the other day, Agnes, I'm going to misquote you because I don't remember exactly what she said. But it was something on the order that sitting and soaking is not really a calling. That pretty close? That pretty close? You see, God's got a plan for every person in this building. My question is, do you know that plan? Have you discovered that plan? Well, I can assure you of this. If the members of a church don't discover the plan for their life, quite likely the church itself is not going to discover the plan for the collective. Have we discovered it and do it in such a way that we're totally dependent on him, that if he doesn't come through, that we fail? That's the kingdom-focused church. Is that if we put ourselves in such a position to follow him, that if he doesn't come through, we fail. You know, the kingdom-focused church is pretty, pretty, I think, exciting because the church then gets out of the business of doing church and they get into the business of being the church. Our community needs a church of people who love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength and are so passionately in love with God that they fall passionately in love with those that they don't even know because this is what we know about those 
outside the family. Apart from Christ Jesus, there is no hope for eternity. This morning, some of you may not even know, may not even register with you about this church because you've never really been a member. You never caught on to this thing of discovering and doing the will of God because you've never begun a relationship with him. Let me just take a second to tell you that God loves you, and he loves you so much that he sent his only son for you. Why would he do that? Because he knows that you, like me, were born in sin. And he's not going to let sin into his heaven. And the Bible tells us there's none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and fallen short of God's best. And so he sent Jesus to die because the payment of sin that you have in your life is death. And if you want life, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you've never invited Christ into your life to forgive you of sin, you can do that right now. Just where you sit, you can bow and say, Lord, he's talking to me. Man, I've played church for years, but I don't really have that forgiveness. That's why I'm so grumpy all the time. I don't really know that peace inside that comes from you. And I want him to come into my life, and I want him to forgive me of my sin and give me an eternal life. If you do that, he'll, he'll respond. Church has been a part of my life, all of my life. I'm amazed at these guys that say they were in church, Brother Terry, nine months before they were born. I don't remember that far back. But my parents had me there. Today, the church that I was raised in celebrating 125 years. What a legacy. But you know what? I have lived long enough in my 53 years to remember that there was a different day and time in America for the church. There was a time in my lifetime when everybody might not have come to church, but everybody knew what the church believed and generally believed the same thing. That is no longer the case. And while the culture was undergoing this change outside the fellowship, inside the church, we were going through some changes. And we kind of winged it, lost our focus, began to major on the internal parts, got kind of complicated in how we do things. And over the past 13 years, at least 13 years, our leaders and our denominational writers have been trying to pull us back together. Probably began back as far as 79 when, with the conservative resurgence in the Southern Baptist Convention. But I can earmark it to 94 because in 1994 is when Gene Mims' book came out espousing us to get back to kingdom principles. 95, Rick Warren followed that book with Purpose Driven Church. 2001, Gene Mims released the Kingdom Focus Church. Now watch this. All of these folks trying to get us back to Scripture. And then in 2005, a man named, who, who now sits as the CEO of Lifeway, released a book entitled Simple Church. Trying to get back, watch this, 
one priority, to one philosophy, and one plan. We're out to sum that up. If we want to be the kingdom-focused church, if we want people to see the kingdom-focused church, as I've exposed this kingdom-focused church to you this morning, it means a church that is on task to reaching people, to teaching people, and to touching people because we've touched the heart of the Father. Would you touch the heart of the Father with your prayers? Would you touch the heart of the Father with your life so that we can be a biblical, kingdom-focused church allowing Jesus to have full rule and reign in the lives we touch? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, it's my prayer this morning that something that has been said has given birth in our heart to focus in our life, our action, and this church on your kingdom. May it be our, our priority to reach and touch people, and may we decide to do whatever it takes. And may we discover your plan. In your name, amen. Just a moment, we're going to stand to sing. If you've never invited Christ in your life, or if you invited Christ in your life just a few moments ago, Brother Jason will be over here, Brother Terry will be here, I will be here in the center. And I want to ask you just to make your way to whatever aisle is closest to you and come take one of us by the hand and let us share with you about this wonderful life of knowing Christ. Maybe the Lord spoke to you and calling you to this church. You've been distant for a while. You do the same thing. We'll be glad to talk with you. Maybe the Lord spoke to you this morning as a member of this congregation that you've been a little out of focus and he's calling you back today. We'll be glad to pray with you. You can come to the altar and pray. Maybe somebody's on your heart. The truth is people do need the Lord. And for whatever reason, he's given it into our hands. Let's stand, let's sing, and you respond to the first word of the song. You come right now. closed. Nobody's looking. Have you done business with God today? Is your life kingdom focused? Would your best friend 
that person who works across from you, would they say, yes, this is my buddy, and I know that their life is focuses on what God wants them to do. We're almost done. The decision you need to make, God call you to this church. You take a step out and let us talk with you. Heavenly Father, it's my prayer today that this message has not fallen void. I pray it will burn in our hearts that we can be the people and the church you've called us to be in your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. God bless you for being here today. There are a lot of things going on. I will remind you of our uh, activities tonight at 4 o'clock. Kathy, you meet in the drama team up in the youth room. And then at 5 o'clock, we have our choirs going on. That's the uh, Solid Rock Choir, Children's Choir, Student Choir. I tell you, students, we're going to look at the uh, uh, some of the Christmas thing tonight, so don't, so don't miss it. We want all of us here, okay? Have a great time together. Um, 6 o'clock, service, and uh, I hope you'll be here. We'll begin a series of messages tonight entitled The Truth About Truth. It has to do with the Ten Commandments. I hope you'll not miss it. We'll be, be studying the Ten Commandments for probably the next at least 11 weeks, so I hope you'll plan to be here. Other things are going on. We have our Wednesday night uh, regular emphasis going on. We have a, a Tuesday night outreach. And uh, um, look down at the bottom of your bulletin. We have an immediate need on Wednesday night. We have all our programming in line, except we need some folks to help with the preschoolers. If you're interested in helping with the preschoolers, see Alice or myself, and we'll talk to you about that. On Wednesday night, we have uh, Wednesday nights are going very well. We have a class in here at 6.30. We have four other classes. Uh, Brother George teaching uh, whatever Christian ought to know. Brother Terry's teaching on coping. Deborah's teaching on making the right choice. And uh, ladies, uh, that's, that's a good one. And uh, uh, I missed somebody. Eddie on the disciplines of a godly man. And then uh, we're studying the seven churches from Revelation in here. So there's places all over. And uh, we hope that you will plan to be here. Uh, I will tell you that we have a couple of events on the horizon. We're having a nursery appreciation banquet on October 4. Is that correct? Notes have already come. If you're if you're a worker back there, coordinate. If you've done anything back there, this is for you. It doesn't cost you anything. We're going to say thank you. Maybe even give you a gift, and we hope you'll plan to be here. It is. Please listen. It is an RSVP event. This is important because we have to prepare food for everybody and we don't want you to get here. What kind of appreciation would it be if you got here and we didn't have any food because we didn't know you were coming? So, so if you will, for those that are on the Internet, you can go on the Internet and make your reservations there. Golf tournament, same thing. Go on the Internet, check it out, check our written material out. Now, have I missed? seems like there's something I'm supposed to say. that I, Tuesday morning Bible study. Having about 50, 55 here, Brother Terry. It starts at 10 o'clock. Uh, don't miss it. Um, Brother Terry, I was about to say something, and now it's gone, man. Um, I did mention Tuesday night. Oh, I know what it was. Two weeks from tonight, 
We're going to have a, literally a legend here, a guy named Gordon Jensen, to, to sing for us. He wrote Southern Gospel music back when Southern Gospel music was really cool. Redemption Darth Nye, Jesus Without Shine Them All, uh, Bigger Than Any Mountain, most recently recent, written in red. You will love this concert. That, that's our fifth Sunday night. All right? Anything else? Let's stand together. Reach out and take one by the hand, if you will. We'll see you this afternoon at the... Uh, We're going to start with Forever. Forever God is faithful. Let's get those words up there. Here we go. Forever God is faithful. God bless you. Have a good day.